just with the, um, I feel the gratitude of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So if the Holy Spirit can grieve, cannot the Holy Spirit also have gratitude? We're made in the likeness and the image of God. And we have understood somewhat the Father. We have understood somewhat the love of our soul, our groom, our soon-to-coming king. But we have greatly lacked in the area of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until William Seymour began to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit over a, right 100, 100 years ago. And even a, a, a Azusa Street just celebrated this time of, 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 of celebration of 100 years ago. Do you, you know who William Seymour is? He was from Centerville, Louisiana. He was a mighty black man with, with um, had, had lost his sight in one eye and could not even study in the building where the white people were. So he sat out on the lawn with a window open so he could study because the man of God loved him but didn't want him to get in trouble. So they devised a plan so that he could study and that's what he did. And he went and preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He didn't yet speak in tongues. But he knew the word of God was true. So he spoke about something that he had not even yet tasted of. And I'm here today to teach you and to tell you what God has revealed to me about the Holy Ghost that we have not yet seen in, in vast um, expanse here on the earth yet. And I have met very few people that even talked about the Holy Spirit in the fashion that I'm about to speak of the Holy Spirit. So let's start in Genesis. In Genesis it says that God created Adam in his own likeness and image and he created them male and female created he them. Am I telling you the truth? Yes. So if God the Father is a male and Jesus Christ is the Son, who's the female? There's only one left. And that's the Holy Ghost. Now when God first gave me this revelation, I said, God, I'm not telling that to anybody. Because if I say that to somebody, I'm going to have to put up with some things. I'm going to be called names and maybe a heretic or a witch or be Beelzebub or whatever. And guess what? I have been. But I don't mind. Why? Because there was a time in my life when I was, a scared, I was scared of what you might think of me. I was scared of what my leaders would think of me. And I obeyed and I sat on a pew and I sat there so long they named it after me. And God told me, if you continue to sit there, you're going to sit there for another 20 years doing what you're doing right now, which is obeying what people are telling you to do. But I could not walk in the call that God had called me into. When I was 19 years old, God called me and told me I would be like the prophet Jeremiah. And I had not read the Bible. And I was oh so happy until I read Jeremiah. And then I was like, oh no. Let's not pick that guy. Let's pick someone else. Not the weeping prophet. I had already been called all kinds of names as a kid because I cried all the time. Crybaby was just one of them. And I'm still crying. I cry every day. If there's a day that I don't cry, I think something's wrong. Why do I cry? Because my heart has been ripped out. And the promise of Ezekiel 36 is upon us. God said, I will take out your heart of stone 
I will rip it out. And Hosea says, I will rip open your chest like a lion and I will devour you. And I said, God, that doesn't sound good. He said, then you'll be one with me. I was like, oh, okay. All right, lion of Judah, I want to be one with you. And he says, I'll take out your heart of stone. I will put in it a heart of flesh. Oh, excuse me, teacher. Teacher, um, flesh is not good. Can we pick something else? Why is it that we take what God created and we take one or two scriptures and then we twist that to make it what we want it to be and we call flesh bad when God said it was good? See, because God manifests through man. God breathed his own breath. It literally says that God breathed the kiss of life into Adam. It was intimacy from the very beginning. And it's still intimate. And God said that the earth is his footstool. That means a place where you can rest your soul. Your feet are actually called S-O-L-E. And S-O-U-L are the same thing. They're just different dimensions of the same thing. And God said that he will return when his enemies are under his footstool. I said, God, what does that mean? Because I used to think it meant that that's what it meant. That's what I was taught. But that's not what God taught me. He said, Angela, when my enemies have been made, have been made a place of rest for my soul. See, it's easy to love those who love you, but can you love your enemies? And the answer is humanly, no, you cannot. Look at our world right now. Man does not love man. God loves man. And love is not something you do. Love is God and God is love. And you can't do God. You fall into the arms of love. You become one with love. You manifest Him through you. That's why your flesh body is necessary. That's why the heart of stone must be ripped out of you. And to devour you like a lion, I can promise you it ain't going to feel good. But guess what? Running don't feel good either. When you run from what's inside of you, you're actually running from the kingdom of God.
day in my car. And I had this feeling in my stomach. And so I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. I began to intercede. I began praying for my children and my husband. Then my, my family. Then my church. Then my city and my nation and the world. I just began praying. And the Lord rebuked me and said, you might as well shut up. And I'm crying and weeping and I'm going, what God? I'm interceding for your people. He said, no, you're not. You're satisfying your fears. You're calming your fears. You had an emotion in your stomach and you didn't, you didn't give it to me. You linked it to your own understanding, which means to lift myself up, which means to self-worship. When I interpret what's in my belly, that means I am standing on the holy of holies and I am calling myself God. And when you see the abomination of desolation, look up for your redemption draw tonight. And I said, God, well, then what am I supposed to do with this? He said, you're supposed to trust me with all of your heart. And you're supposed to lean not to your own understanding. And you're supposed to acknowledge me in all of the way, those ways in your heart. And I will direct your path. I said, God, I've never heard this before. He said, because you've never asked me before. I said, what do I do with this? He said, that's not a this. It's me. I said, this feeling inside of me is you? He said, yes. It's called the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Didn't you pray that I would expand your borders like the prayer of Jabez? I said, yes, Father. He said, what do you think that meant? More real estate. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah. He said, Angela, you are my real estate. I 
your lungs, trees, anything. Anything man-made, the minute it's made, it's finished, it begins to deteriorate. It takes form and makes corruption. It takes form and makes corruption. God takes corruption and brings form. God takes dust and makes form. How does He do it? He breathes His life, His Word onto it. He breathes His life into it. It's the blood. It's always the blood. It's always been the blood. In the word Adam, it means bloody mud. Bloody mud. And it says, from dust you came, and by dust you shall return. If you look that up in the Hebrew, it doesn't just mean you're going to turn back into dust. What it means is, I created you out of bloody mud, and after you rejected the blood, and you crawled on your belly, you've eaten enough dust, then you shall return to bloody mud. That's what it means. Go study the Hebrew. Study to show thyself approved. God conceals things. God hides things in darkness. Oops, there's another one of those things that we might want to rip out. God hides his treasures in darkness, but a king and a priest will search it out. See, I used to be afraid of the dark when I was a little girl. And I remember getting tired of being scared of the dark. Because I didn't want to put my little feet on the floor and run to the bathroom. Or I didn't want to put my feet on the floor and run to get a glass of water because I was scared something was going to reach out from under the bed and grab me. So one day I got tired of being scared. And I jumped off my bed and I laid on my bed and said, There's anything underneath that you come out and get me now. Why? Because I hated living in that scared little shaky thing of not being able to get a glass of water. We are still scared of the dark and we don't even acknowledge it. Decision making. No more than 
you can make an apple. Fruit is fruit. Fruit manifests because a seed fell into the ground and died, and it germinated, and God breathed his breath on that seed, and that seed has to manifest fruit. But that's not how we treat the fruit of the Spirit. We treat the fruit of the Spirit by it like they're a work of our hands, like they're good deeds. They're not good deeds. They're not works. We have been bewitched according to Galatians. We have been tricked into thinking that the fruit of God is something that you can actually do. If you don't believe me, try and be patient while long-suffering and keeping no account of wrong to it and hoping all things and trusting all things. Can you do any of those things? Here's your answer. You can't. We even said my patience is just about running out. That's because it was yours.
take from the Ten Commandments? Why? Because you can't do none of them. I know that's a double negative, but I'm from Louisiana not to do that.
The only way we could not see the Word of God, because it is clearly seen as an evidence of Romans 1, the only way we have not seen the Word of God is because it had been sealed up. The word seal and cell are the same word, like a cell on my body. Same as that word. It means to hide under a covering. It means a mystery. It means that that has been contained, waiting to be revealed. Like a seed under the earth or a lily in the valley, still in the darkness that has not yet bloomed. That's why she's the lily of the valley. He actually called her that. He actually called her the rose of Sharon. Remember she says, I'm dark but lovely. And he says, yes, but lovely. And, and we think she's saying, turn away. No, Jesus is saying to her, turn away from me. Just one look of your worshiping eyes makes me melt. And Jesus is actually turning away because he is brought to tears when he looked in your eyes. When you believe in him, when you love him. How does it feel when someone doesn't believe in you? treats you based on something somebody else did. Feels terrible, doesn't it? But guess what we do to God? We treat God based on how we felt as a little child. Why? Because from age 0 to 6, your diencephalon was formed. Your limbic brain was formed. Your amygdala was formed. What's in my amygdala? Memories, form with emotion, and chain-link molecules, chain-link protein molecules. That's what's in my amygdala. And guess what? Your amygdala cannot be formed without emotion. It's not possible. Now, 2 plus 2 equals 4 can be formed without emotion. You know, I'm coming here Saturday at 10 a.m. can be formed without emotion. It can have emotion with it, and if it does, it'll go into the amygdala and the frontal lobe. But if there's no emotion, it's only in the frontal lobe. If there's emotion, it's in the center of your brain called the diencephalon. Where did Jacob wrestle with God? At the place called Peniel. And you have a Peniel gland in your head. Do you know I sat in a meeting I know that, that this individual was, was, had all good intention, but I shook my head and cried because this person rebuked the spirit of the, th the third eye and rebuked the third eye and the pineal like the devil slipped in during the formation of the brain while God had his back turned or was making a foot or a toe or something, and the devil just snuck in the eyeball in the pineal I'm like, no, he wrestled with a he wrestled with God in a place called Pineal and he rested his head on a stone. What stone is that talking about? The one that just got ripped out of his heart. When God put in a heart of flesh and filled it with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God was upon Jacob. And only after Jacob returned from his thievery, from his lying, from his cheating self, and was going to go make restoration with Esau was his name changed to Israel. Why? Because he finally got real. He faced his truth. See, in the Hebrew, it's, I, I made up a word, so I could whack because I can. My father's a creator, so I can create. And Hebrew language is homonymical. It's homonymical. 
That means it has homonyms. And a homonym is like this. This is the letter C. Is that backwards for y'all? No, that's right. It's here right now. The letter C. And the, the word C. And parting of the C are all the same word in Hebrew. Isn't that wild? And at one time, all languages were one. And they were in one accord. And they were trying to build a tower to heaven with their arms. That's why God named these two bones humorous. <laughs> yeah, because you can't do anything with your hands. The kingdom of God is not made with man's hands. So they were trying to build it. But right, go read this and check, check out what I'm telling you. He said, and because they were in one accord and one mind, this shall not Well, uh, this ain't going to happen to him. I mean, and this guy. But no, you said this shall not be withheld. And you scatter them. What are you saying? He said, Angela, every good farmer, when a seed is perfect, he scatters it to multiply. I went, oh my goodness. Well, they, all nations will come together. If there will always be a counterfeit. But we will. Let in the whole world. Heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who took three measures of meal and she sowed in the, or the, the kingdom of heaven and it leavened the whole lump. When they were of one accord, that actually, in the, in the Hebrew, there's a word for heart. It means the musical chord. And every one of us have a heart inside of us. But it's not a musical chord, a musical chord, a musical chord, so on. It's the musical chord and the same 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 musical chord. Where? In all of us. It's one sound. It's one source of sound. It's one God. And it's in the heart. That's why I said the kingdom of God is inside of you. And if you, if you study the Hebrew, you will find out so many hidden treasures. The word, people say, do you believe the word of God is true and factual? Absolutely. And it's allegorical. Why? Because Jesus did not say anything unless he, unless he opened his mouth in parables, right? And he didn't say anything unless he heard his father say it, right? So where do you think he got the parables from? Father. What do you think Romans 1 and 20 is? Everything created reveals that which is unseen. So the actual earth is allegorical. Solomon, that's how he discovered things. That's how God taught him was through studying the body, through studying plants, through studying animals. There's not one thing that is created that doesn't actually declare its own name. How did Adam know what to name stuff? Because Adam could see the olive in the top. In the beginning, God created the olive. That's what the Torah says in the Hebrew. So what is the alphabet? The alphabet. That's what it means. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What it means is the beginning and the completion. Now in the, in the New Testament, it says Alpha and Omega, which is Greek. Greek is logic and reasoning. Hebrew is heart. So if you take the translation back into the Hebrew, it says God is 
that, then it's over. But every ending is a new beginning with God. If you don't believe me, just check out the sundown and then the sunrise. Because every going down of the sun is the beginning of an evening. Every ending of an evening is the beginning of a new day. So it never ends. That's how God is. God is never ending. God is duality. How can God be duality if he's three in one? Alphabet. Aleph means beginning, and it also means elusive. It means you can't figure it out. That's literally what it means. It means God is aloof. God is, God is heaven. He's unseen. And then God is top. He's completed. He is seen. It's declared also in Psalm 19.1. Heaven declares a matter, but earth, or the firmament, manifests it. And guess what? You're made in that same image. So whatever you believe in your heavens or your diamond cephalon will manifest in your flesh. And I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you why understanding the Holy Spirit and the Eve part of us, the female part of us, I'm going to show you why it's so important. And without it, you cannot enter into the rest of God. You can't enter into the promise of God. In Hebrews it says, there remains a promise. Enter thou unto the rest of God. That doesn't just mean rest as in peace. It means all of Him. Right, right, because it's homonymical. Right? So how did this happen in the diacephalon? What, what's going on? Let me give you some examples. I had a lady that I met, and if you've listened to my podcast, you've heard this, so I apologize for, for, for duplicating it, but for those who haven't heard it, it's very, very powerful. I've been studying the body and the anatomy and chemistry and math and the blood and the heart, circulatory and all that stuff for a really long time since I was 19 years old. I don't have a college degree. I took two semesters in college and I fell in love with that cool guy right there and I said, I'm done with school. I'm marrying him. But that didn't stop me from studying. I just don't have a degree from man. And so as I was studying, I learned that there was a correlation between the emotions and sickness. And I found the first in the Word of God and then I began to find it in study, science and medical science. And then I actually found it in the study of words and numbers. Because words and numbers are how God created everything. When, when in, in Egypt they stalked bricks with hay and stubble, which was clay and hay and stubble and sunshine, and we do the same thing. We take the work of our flesh and we stalk it together with some hay and stubble, and we ask God to shine on it, and we build a bunch of bricks, and that's what's in the east gate right now, and that's what's in our gate. Open up, all you gates. Open up, all you gates. That means you. So uh, I'm going to tell the story of this woman. Um, when I first saw her, her left eye was almost completely shut and was bulging. Well, the, the, the tissue above on the eyelid was bulging, kind of hanging over the eyeball, uh, obstructing her sight. And in addition to that, um, she couldn't cry out of that left eye. It had been that way for eight months. And she had been to MD Anderson, which is um, in Texas. Uh, might be MD Anderson, I don't know. I didn't say MD. Okay, I said AMD, but it's MD. Uh, MD Anderson. And they had told her that the cancer in her eye was a secondary cancer, um, that there was another cancer somewhere in her body, and it was either going to be in her blood or her bone or somewhere. So they were going to do a PET scan to find out what kind of cancer it was, and then they were going to treat her for the primary cancer and then remove her entire eyeball. Because 
because that was secondary and the cancer in her eye was so bad that they did not want to leave the eyeball. Well, she begged to keep her eyeball. She did not want to lose it. And you can imagine because they were actually going to sew it up and she wasn't even going to be able to have a prosthetic eye. So as a woman, you know, walking around with your eye closed and, and sewed, you know, how just just look in the mirror every day would be depression, right? So I asked her, I, when I first met her, I asked her, I said, would you be okay if I told you what I see going on with your left eye? And the reason I asked permission is I was doing a woman's retreat, and there was 25 other women, or 24 other women in the room, and I didn't want to provoke her emotion without having permission because I knew she was going to cry the minute I told her what was going on. And so she said, oh, no, you, yeah, I want to know. Please tell me. I said, well, before I tell you, let me just let you know that this is not going to feel good. This is going to feel sad whenever I tell you what's going on with your eye. Are you sure it's okay for me to talk to you about your eye? And she said, yeah, yeah, I want to know. So um, I told her, I said, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So that means the Father's on the left hand side. And so your left hand side of your body represents your daddy. Or a father figure or an authority figure. Now it could be a mom if a mother's the one who wears the pants and you have a, a daddy who's just there but absent. So I said, something's going on with the way that you see your daddy and how your daddy sees you. And your heart's broken and you have bitterness and resentment because you can't figure out how your daddy can love you when these things happen. Now before your mind goes wild, because it already is, um, it doesn't have to be something horrible for cancer to manifest. It could be, I just don't feel loved because he was gone all the time working. It doesn't have to be abuse. It could be, but I don't want you to think, oh gosh, I'm so glad nothing bad happened to me because uh, you know, now I'm going to worry about blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't have to worry anyway because whatever you believe you will have. The key is get rid of worry so that all you have is love. And so I began talking to her about her daddy. Well, as you can imagine, she got very emotional. And that eye had not cried in eight months. And guess what that eye began to do? Cry. Wow. I spoke to her heart in the area where her brokenness was, and instantly that eyeball began to cry. It had not cried in eight months. Why? Because the tumor was pressed against the tear gland and knotted up in the tear gland and wasn't allowing the tear gland to work. But one breathed word of revelatory word of God, and bam, something began to happen. Can I heal her? Absolutely not. What heals? The Word of God heals. And it's not like, oh, let me go see if I can find the Word of God that I can declare. Oh, there's one. And then speak it. That's no different than witchcraft. That is witchcraft. To take the Word of God and try and manipulate something. No, God wants you to hear Him. And God wants to speak out of your flesh His breath. Not your breath taking authority over His Word. No, He wants to be one with you. Not under you. He's not Santa Claus. And he's not a master. He's not a slave master. You're, he's your daddy. He's the lover of your soul. And, and she's your mom. There's three different parts of God. All three matter. Your relationship with all three matter. Sometimes I hear people talking about being intimate with the father like he's the, like he's the groom. I'm like, uh, I ain't married my daddy. 
I'm married now. So when somebody's talking about having intimacy with God the Father, like you do a husband, that would be creepy. No, Jesus is the husband. Father is father. Holy Ghost is mother heart, nurturing heart, teaching heart. So as I talked to this woman, I asked her if she would come to my home and let me minister to her privately. Why? Because I don't want to disclose all of her heart in front of this whole room of people. It's too delicate. How do I know how delicate it is? Because she's eat up with cancer. That's how I know. It's, it's, she's so broken, her eye can't open and she, her tears can't work. That's how broken she is. So you don't want to, you know, like people want me to minister a lot of times up here in the front. And I could. And if you're open, I'm okay with that. But guess what? You might be totally broken down. Why? Because we're going to take the walls down. And you won't be able to hold back the Euphrates because that's where it comes from. Euphrates comes out of the garden of God. And it means to gush forth like a woman in labor. Guess what happens in the last days? The Euphrates dries up until the battle of Armageddon. And at the battle of Armageddon, the blood rises up in the streets to the horse's bridle. Do you know where that Euphrates is? It's inside of you. That's where the blood's going to flow. And so this woman comes to my home, I begin ministering to her, and the, and the Euphrates just burst, pow, wide open. And she begins to cry and scream and wail and yell and jerk and whatever else her body needed to do to heal. And as she's in this heightened state of emotion, God gave me a vision, and I spoke that vision, I spoke the word. Why? Because if I don't get a word from God, it ain't going to work. I can't just have a few steps. That would be called a spell. You don't put steps on God. God is spontaneous. God is ever changing, rearranging. He's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what the same about Him? He don't do it the same way twice. See, if that was true, I could just go get a bucket of dust and I could bring some chewing tobacco in my mouth so I could get a lot of spit. And I could go to the school of the blind and just heal them all. Because I could spit mud and mud on my you see, how that doesn't make sense, we try and put a formula around God. We try and put a formula on the Word of God. Guess where the word spell came from? Because in the beginning, God made the olive and the bet. That means letters. Guess what you do with letters? You spell something. Like what? G-O-D. Right? You spell Heaven to come. 
that she declared somewhere along the way that she could not see how her daddy loved her. And she had to decide to shut down her heart so it wouldn't weep and be broken because being broken is too difficult. So she goes to Andy Anderson after I work with her and they do their PET scan like they had promised they were going to do. And when they did the PET scan, guess how much cancer they found in the rest of her body? None. And they said to her, you're in stage four. The eyeball is not the primary cancer. It never is. But yet they could find their own cancer. And when they went into her eye to take the eyeball out, the tumor had begun to shrink. And the cancer began to die already. They had never seen anything like it. And they only took the tear gland as a precaution so they could study what was going on. She, that was, and I had worked with her the day before. So I worked her one day. She, she drives to Texas, they, I think, the following day. So within 48 hours, the cancer that's in that tumor is already shrinking and drying up and dying. They call it reverting. So she comes to my house the second time after she gets back and is in recovery and she brings a friend with her. And not only does she cry again, but she cries with a 